K-Shed. K-Shed. I'm ready to come. It's going to be a good one today. Episode 6. K-Shed Uncut. You know what? Last time when we talked, what I told you I was, we were going to talk about was our beautiful mothers, or moms, you know, for short. And um, I'm going to hold true to that. But um, my mom is upstairs. Uh, she's been, um, you know, it's had a long, long day. Uh, my mom is 83 years old right now and just as beautiful as ever. Uh, when I look into her eyes, they're just as blue as when I first noticed that they were blue. And I was like, Mom, you have blue eyes. <laughs> and um, that was like, you know, she couldn't tell me where they came from. So maybe another day I might like dig deeper to figure out where her blue eyes came from. But regardless of anything, she's a beautiful, beautiful uh, woman. And uh, she's been there since day one. When it came to giving up, um, you know, the, the skills of a mom, like nurturing, loving, caring, uh, you know, warmth and just all that stuff. The, the button got stuck on my mom and like filled her with nothing but all that. And, um, you know, she's just been all about her kids ever since then. And, um, you know, it's, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. So I'm going to do everything I can to come back as much as I can from the from state of uh, California back out to Iowa. Um, you know, and every time I come back, it's beautiful. So, like I said, when we when we come back on episode six, we're going to talk about mom. But guess what? Instead of mom, my actual mom, we're going to be talking about mom, meaning my dad, because mom stands for a mean old man in this particular case. <laughs> he, he, you know, so, you know, I've been hanging out with mom and I've been hanging out with dad and all that stuff. Dad, uh, uh, he has his stories and you guys think I'm a storyteller. I tell you what, wait till he gets on. Um, you know, we're gonna we're gonna uh, we're gonna give him a little bit of time to kind of chill and relax and stuff like that, and kind of ease into the moment. And prior to that, I'm going to set the stage for Mr. William Thomas Shedd, my pops, because this guy has some stories that you will not believe. Um, you know, so but it, it it sets the stage for for what I'm trying to do. Uh, this podcast was brought up and. Um, you know, and created for a couple different reasons. There's issues that that are that still exist out in this world, um, especially that came kind of came up and were very prevalent in my last profession. Um, and you know, from the, from uh, when I first started out, you can kind of tell that there's a difference that comes with uh, uh, how you look. You know, if you if you look this way, you go this route. And if you don't look that way, then you got to go this long through the forest and um, through the river and, uh, you know, the Amazon River uh, where everything out there can kill you. You got to go that route. And if you survive, we're still going to be waiting at the shores um, to cut whatever type of line you might be pulling up to get to the shore. And uh, we're going to make sure that you don't get to where you're trying to go to. I know that's hard to hear for a lot of people. Um, it really is, and I'm, you know, I'm not trying to sugarcoat anything, but that's how it is. And um, you know, what we're going to be talking about today is uh, is some stuff that leads into it. So you know, um, back when I started being a police officer, and um, I kind of, uh, kind of fought through everything and stuff. I never thought I was going to be the one who had to, 
kind of dig deep and uh, make sure that I was there and I was uh, watching over everybody who uh, weren't the the chosen ones and stuff. But uh, but uh, I was put in a position uh, to uh, make sure that the ones who uh, didn't look like the good old boys still had a shot. Um, you know, I mean, people ask me all the time, what, what, do you, what, do you, what are you trying to do, trying to change the world here? I'm like, well, yeah, okay, yeah, I'll own it. Yeah, maybe I am trying to change the world. Who else is going to do it, you know? I mean, I had a chance to sit there and watch uh, highly qualified police officers not, not uh, get the opportunities that they deserved. And um, you know what? Did I appreciate that? No. Did I think it was right? No. And... Um, you know, did I take it on myself to try to make some changes? Hell yeah, I did. I was one of the ones who would, who would go out of their way to set up these, uh, these uh, forms that we'd have at the, uh, try to have at the police department. It was, wasn't just a mixture of uh, this person, that person. It was a mixture of everybody, all races. Didn't matter what color. We try to get everybody together. We get a good group together um, and just kind of talk over things and stuff because obviously every. Um, uh, every business, every corporation, every police department in this particular case has their issues and stuff like that, whether it's budget issues, whether, whether it's uh, community issues and, um, you know, uh, all the different things that's uh, going on in, in like the police world that are anti-police. Uh, at the same time, um, me being a minority officer, I'm saying, hey, look, man, we, we got some other inside stuff like in-house things we need to take care of, too. Um, and no one wants to hear all that, you know, I mean, um, if, if we're talking about white officers and stuff like that, you bring up, uh, racism or like favoritism or nepotism or all that stuff, unfairness, they don't want to hear that. And, um, it's unfortunate because you can, you can, uh, ignore it all you want to, but then it, it, it rears its ugly head because at, at some, at a, some point when the minorities, are done being treated unfairly, they leave. And um, that's one of the biggest problems at my old uh, place where I used to work right now is because everybody's leaving um, due to the fact that they were treated, you know, not as fair as some of the other ones and stuff like that. I remember uh, the, the movie uh, Reacher, and um, Reacher is the one who fought hard to go there for the go to bat for this one guy if you guys ever remember the movie uh with tom cruise reacher jack reacher he goes in and he he's a special operations guy and he goes down and stuff and he's uh uh there's a guy who uh who committed a crime and um he's about to get away with it because he was backed up by a bunch of different government type officials and um jack reacher goes in there and he makes things right and, and for the whole hour and 45-minute movie, he is fighting and just terrorizing and just like uh, like like the Robin Hood on freaking steroids, man, you know, just giving it up for the cause. And he's so he's taking on odds that just are so crazy and he's winning. And then the end, he's so exhausted and he's he's on a bus riding back to his where he's, wherever he's from. No one knows where he's from. He just kind of appears. But he's on a bus and he's exhausted, but like about ready to fall asleep. And you can see on the film um, and here, uh, there's this one guy and his girl in the back of the bus, and he's slapping her, he's yelling at her, and he's doing all this freaking horrible domestic violence stuff, and um, you know, yelling at her, and she's crying, and you know, she's terrified, and 
and then the, 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 the camera pans down the, the middle of this bus and all you see is all these grown men, you know, a couple guys sitting together who are, you know, big dudes and stuff. Nobody's doing anything. They're just letting it happen and pretending like it's not going on. The, the, the camera keeps panning past all these people, like 10, 15 plus people, you know, who could easily have taken this guy and nobody does anything. Um, and then the camera lands on Jack Reacher, like I said, who's he has his head up against the window because he's freaking exhausted from what he just got them doing. And he looks back, he's like, nobody's going to do anything. And then he keeps yelling at her. And um, all of a sudden, all you see is Jack Reacher just put his head up and he stands up. And he's like, all right, I guess I'll go do it. And he gets up and he walks in the back and then the film cuts out. It's the best, best scene ever. Um, you know, uh, because there, it, it has to come from someplace. You know, there, there's so many different things from what, from my perspective, that could have changed uh, the dimensions of our department and some of the different things that, uh, uh, for all the 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 betterment of the department as a whole, had somebody just stood up and said, you know what, you're wrong. Uh, I work with that guy or I supervise that guy. It's not true. Uh, he's not a slacker or she's not a slacker or she deserves this position or she's more than done her share of hardcore work and uh, she has the personality, the, 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 the professionalism that comes with being a, a true police officer. Um, she's not he or she's not one dimensional, um, you know, and they deserve their shot. They they've they put in all the effort they've they're five six years on board and all that stuff now they deserve that shot they deserve that position had anybody who um you know might be of the good good old boys network per se stood up and uh, uh you know put a stand down for these particular officers and stuff uh that would have changed so many different things about um uh, the makeup of the department, the future, it would have paved the way, and it would have made things perfect. But did that happen? No. Um, it's unfortunate. So here I am being Jack Reacher, I guess. Um, I'm tired. I'm worn out. I had to fight my own battles and all that stuff. But guess what? Um, you know, they try to pull a fast one on me, and I, and I had the opportunity to say to myself, do I, do I let this go? Do I just deal with it because I'm at the last tail end of my career? Do I just deal with it or what? And then I thought about my babies. I thought about my beautiful little, little girls um, who are growing up in a world where, um, you know, they're dependent on things being fair. Uh, you know, they're of mixed uh, cultural backgrounds. So, uh, you know, if, they, if they're going to be exposed to a bunch of, uh, um, you know, strategical or institutionalized racism i guess uh you know they're they're gonna be already behind the eight ball and i had a chance to say do i let this go and just just ride off into the sunset or do i turn around and and do a jack reacher and do one more uh before i go and guess what i chose anybody hmm hmm yeah i'll tell you i chose jack reacher and i turned around and i said nah you guys ain't doing that if you're gonna do it, it's gonna cost you an arm, a leg, couple, couple other extremities, and it's gonna be a fight. 
And, uh, you know, and do I feel good about it? 100%. And uh, here in the next month or so, we'll, we'll, we'll see how this whole storyline ends. But, yeah, again, uh, who else is going to fight for it? Um, I remember one time in California, uh, I was out with, with some of my fellas and stuff like that. We were talking movie making. At, I can't remember what bar we were at. And it wasn't too far back, but we're at a bar hanging out and stuff and just, 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 you know, going over our next project, what we're going to do, how we want to do it, uh, all the things we need. And, um, you know, it's just nothing but fellas, about four or five guys. Um, you know, no one's really thinking anything other than kind of we're there for a mission and, a, and to talk over some things. So um, all of a sudden, this one girl, she's a white girl, comes roaming around and she's just obviously drunk. Uh, she hops, she pop or plops in the middle of our group and she's, what are you guys doing? You know, and everybody's just like, uh, <laughs> just laughing at her cause she's so drunk and, um, you know, but she's being funny and just, okay. I mean, that happens, you know, every once in a while you, you have a couple too many and then you're just, you're, you're dancing on, uh, on the middle of the dance floor and all that stuff being silly. There's nobody in the world who can say they haven't done that, who's over 18, uh, or sometimes even younger. So, um, but, you know, so you, we couldn't really kind of slam the girl. She was just just being, you know, having a good time. So anyway, so she plopped down, starts chatting every, with everybody and all that stuff and being silly. And um, and then one guy, she sits down with one of us, one dude in particular, I don't know, she just maybe had a better connection or whatever. I don't, I'm not trying to say one thing or the other, but... So those two are talking. They're having a good old conversation. I go back and I'm talking to my other guys on my left uh, <clears throat> about movie making and all that stuff. And we're about that. And I and this girl doesn't think I can hear her. All of a sudden, out of the blue, she's like, man, this dude's lips are big. And she's talking about me. And I'm just like, uh, what did she just say? Just completely random. Had nothing to do with anything. And... um. It, there she was talking about my lips, I guess, uh, you know, my lips were too big. And then without even hesitation, my buddy, who's white, immediately fired on her like, oh, hey, whoa, 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 that wasn't cool. That was so not cool. That was so unnecessary. And like put the fire out on whatever she was trying to do immediately. Um he was he was mad. He was hot. He was he did not think that was cool. It was totally inappropriate. And he stood up and he shut that down right away. Um, do you see what my point is? My point is that no matter what the situation is, what the environment is, whether it's work related, whether it's out and about uh, hanging out at a friend's house, stuff like that, you know, uh, the, the racist comments nowadays are so unnecessary it doesn't bring anything doesn't accomplish anything so it really does kind of come down to the white males of the world stepping up and putting the putting the foot down and saying those days are done uh we've outgrown those days uh that needs to stop right now and i'm not going to tolerate that stuff until that happens uh racism is going to be a problem um you know so as we continue talking on our podcast today, um, I do want to say I, I know that I got some young listeners. It sounds like my my youngest daughter was mentioning that um, uh, some of her friends, uh, you know, that 13, 14 year age fr frame have been um, kind of tuning in to K-Shed, Uncuffed, 
probably because we we talk about a lot of good stuff. I mean, um, you know, a lot of prevalent uh, issues going on in the world. Um, but as we uh, continue on this podcast, if you haven't figured out right now, there are going to be some things that's going to be talked about that's going to be uh, kind of upsetting. Because as much as I want to talk about racism and a drunk white girl talking about my lips, which my lips maybe they're, they're you know they're not small by any means, but uh, but you know even if I want to talk about something like that and be offended or be upset and all that stuff, that is by no means anything anything compared to what my pops had to go through back in the days. Um, and so I use that. I use that for my my babies, uh, my daughters. Uh, I'm going to call them babies no matter if they're like 60-something. They're still going to be my babies. And um, it doesn't matter. Uh, they haven't seen anything close to uh, what has happened back in the days when it comes to racism and unfairness and stuff, which I think is beautiful. And, um, I'm, and we are teaching them to overcome that anyway, but they literally haven't seen anything. Um, that they haven't been able to take care of themselves and which is what which is i think is fantastic all as well it just shows you how um uh, the world has changed society has changed and stuff like that um and i really have nothing but the best of uh, uh expectations for them and if nothing unfair gets in their way these two girls and their friends are going to cause some damage out there so but um you know uh, they came down to Davenport, uh, Iowa, my hometown, uh, with us about a week ago. Uh, had a chance to talk to their grandpa and hear some stories and stuff like that. And um, they still uh, can't believe some of the stuff that, that that's that's happened. Um, you know. So with that, I want to uh, prepare the the listeners uh, what they might end up hearing because. Uh, you know, when my when I bring my pops on and all that stuff, we're gonna have some fun. We're gonna kick back. We're gonna make some jokes and stuff like that. But at the same time, we're also gonna talk about back his days back when he was growing up as a youngster, back in Mississippi, and um, you know, uh, it's not nice. It's it's kind of unbelievable when you think about it. Um, you know, and then we're gonna go from there and. And we'll open it up. We'll see if anybody has any questions and all that stuff and everything. And then we'll we'll go from there. K Shed, Uncuffed, Episode 6. Let's do this. some groovy tunes right there man I, I i you can't even you can't even make those up yourself if you went to the the magic world of music and hey make it sound like that i don't know where those tunes come from but they set the tone for what we're doing here at k shed uncuffed and we're gonna keep bringing it you know so as we get back into everything, you know, I got to keep it light. We'll come strong, then we got to keep it light and all that stuff. By no means am I trying to come hard on um, any particular agency, department, company, and all that stuff. I mean, these, these agencies, departments, and companies have to make their own decisions uh, that fits what they're trying to do future-wise or overall-wise and all that stuff. But, but at the same time, um, 
with the wor the way the world is changing, uh, at some point, your these companies, departments, and agencies have got to realize that um, you have to look at your whole department, not just the special ones or the golden boys or the good old boys or whatever it's called nowadays and all that stuff. You know, you can't. You th those guys don't run the show anymore. You know, um, they may they might be holding on to it, but they're actually not holding. They're not running the show anymore. So you have a major majority of, uh, you know, that's full of all kinds of uh, uh, potential from different races, different cultures, different colors, everybody, genders, everything. You got to tap into that stuff. Uh, you know, I mean, uh, the Raiders just got them making a major, major move by bringing in their the first black uh, uh, female president of their uh, organization in the NFL. And she looks more than ready for the position. You know, I mean, you know, what, what what's who's to say that there can't be like something like that that develops in in a. You know, I mean, I'm a former police officer. You know, you, you don't have to have anything crazy change your department and then all that stuff. I mean, do that stuff on your own, man. Start having these meetings where you're looking around at each other and saying, you know what, we've been doing things like this, which is kind of shady and shitty for a while now. Let's change things, man, because this is just not working. Uh, the way society has changed, it's, it's, it's just, we're, we're going to be dinosaurs nowadays. You know, I mean, um, you know, they keep talking about, uh, uh, these race wars and, uh, you know, uh, you know, the, all the different things that comes with that. It's unfortunate that these shootings and these mass shootings keep happening. I, I can't wait till uh, our government figures out how to stop all that stuff because we have a lot of innocent lives and stuff. But if it's if it really boils down to uh, these uh, Aryan nation or these uh, uh, these uh, white supremacist groups, trying to start a, a, a race war and they're having their like their minions or whatever you would call them going out there and having these mass shootings just at random here and there and all that stuff you know that's that's not going to work it's not going to be successful all you're doing is killing innocent people innocent children um, who have no chance you know if you really really want to make a statement call your local the police department and say hey look uh, I want to have a shootout. Meet me here at 8 o'clock or whatever. Just bring me your best shooter. It'll be that person and me, and we'll duke it out. Do it that way. Don't go and be a coward and show up at some freaking church or some school with some 10-plus pl or younger kids and stuff who have no way to protect themselves and start shooting that up. You know, I don't know. To me, what needs to happen is they need to start charging these parents and sending these parents of these people who go in there and start shooting at these places up. They need to start char charging the parents because the parents, there's no way in the world that they don't know what's happening or what's about to happen. Um, you know, um, that's where this needs to go is holding the parents responsible for that. Um, hopefully the government will figure that out and they'll start making that a rule. My, my, my thoughts are that's probably what's going on in a lot of these other countries and stuff out there is, is they've tapped into that. But uh, that has to stop at some point and all that stuff. So, so by no means am I trying to, 
uh, change anything and say, hey, let's deal with racism head on, like, uh, you know, uh, one side on the other, the other one on the other side, and let's go at each other. You know, do I really believe racism is going to, like, be erased, like, uh, you know, tomorrow? No. But I can tell you that uh, from my days, like, when I went in, when I was in high school, like 40 plus years ago, uh, yeah, I saw some stuff, you know, I mean, um, people were saying some things and I came across some situations that were 100% racist, um, but that was 40 years ago. And, um, you know, so things are 100% changing in a positive way and it's very, very encouraging. But a guy of my nature, I will always always look at what happened in the past and I will make sure that people are reminded of that stuff uh, as we keep moving forward because uh, you know it's it's both uh, uh, it's, it's the bittersweet you'll see the beautiful uh, nature of it all from how things have changed and it'll be encouraging then at the same time it'll be humbling when you think about uh, that people were getting killed back in the days simply because they were black and um, again I want to forewarn my young viewers and listeners and stuff like that, that uh, as we keep going, we're about to talk about some stuff that might be very, very upsetting to hear and listen to. Um, you know, I'm not out there trying to find all these uh, listeners and stuff to break records and, you know, to get awards and all that stuff. I'm out here to try to educate people because I feel that we can, we can make some differences together by, um, by um, having open forums. Um, that's very, very. That's a very, very successful uh, uh, route as as far as like uh, making a difference in the world, and that's that's my number one goal. Uh, I'm not I'm not trying to change things by the snap of the finger, but but 100% we won't get anywhere if we don't talk about it or if we avoid it. So um, I came here to Davenport over the over this past weekend. I've been here about three, four days, and it's been a, a amazing experience. Got a chance to hang out with my mom and dad, um, kind of just kind of ease on in. This is such a peaceful place out here in Davenport. You drive around the city, and it's like such a fantastic setup for a city. Whatever you need is out there, and um, you know they did a good job, and it's still growing. Um, a lot of things are changing in a positive way, and um, as soon as we're done talking to my my beautiful pops over here, who's to my left, and he's super nervous, by the way. He's just like, man, you, you're going to have, <laughs> Dad, don't get mad at me for <laughs> saying this. He's going to say, man, man, there's all, all kinds of Klansmen people been looking for me back in the days. That's why I left Mississippi. They're going to find me if I'm on this podcast. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, Dad, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll hang out here 24 hours a day. I'll post up and just watch over, make sure there's no cars screaming down the, down the street. Just to make sure everybody's safe, but it, it's such an it's such an important thing to hear and talk about. All these stories are stories that I would be talking about on my own podcast down the road, but it would be like third person or second person, I guess, would be what it would be. I'd be telling the stories of what my dad told me. Um, but while I'm here, I'm just like, you know what? Why not have my dad tell his stories? Um he can't say it any better than I would. I mean, I can't say it any better than he would. And it's authentic. But these stories are stuff that, that if you're not ready for it, your mind will completely blank and shut down because there's so that extreme, that graphic, uh, 
that brutal, um, but it's how our country was back in the days. Um, so with uh, further ado, this is my dad, Mr. William Thomas Shedd, uh, born and raised in Mississippi, um, back in the days when it all began. And after my dad is done talking, I'm going to tell you guys a freaking hilarious story and, and fantastic story of how he left Mississippi and ended up in Iowa. And it was uh, all free sailing from that point on. But let's do this. Hi, Papa. Oh, hi, Kenny. <laughs> you know, you you are really... He, he didn't say Kendrick, so that that's a good sign. I'm not in trouble yet. <laughs> I didn't give him that. His mom would say Kendrick, and then he knew it was in deep stuff, you know. <laughs> but, um, no, so I, I grew up in Mississippi. I was born in 38. And I think, in a way, that was somewhere between... Before the dinosaurs became to Earth, <laughs> I I grew up in Mississippi. Oh. Thirty eight to forty eight, that was not a problem. Okay. Everything was fine. I was great. My dad was, my dad was working hard, and he made certain he would bring things to me for me to, to enjoy, and I loved it. Then, came the fifties. Wow. Fifty one. Well, it wasn't really that bad, but started off in 53, 52, 53, 54, and then forever. Um, <laughs> Forever after that? Just got just a little bit more difficult. Oh, wow. And uh, I, I've never really thought about things uh, as I was growing up, but I knew things were different. And... You had to know where you stood and how you stood it and what was the what was the model back in those days? You said when you're brown like <laughs> when you're white, you're all right? Yep. If you're brown you stick around. If you're black, you better be back. <laughs> that was it. Oh it, it was um Mississippi was complicated, but you gotta remember that when I was born and got in that these were the things were, were that we did. And so it was not any big deal. It's just what you did. You were born into it. Yes. And, um, hmm. but you started trying to figure out, well, why is this this way? Because there are no answers for that, you know. Wow. And, I, and I guess I, I, as I got older, you got into a situation, you get in there and talk, with an attorney, say, first, and he first tell you, okay, you're going to lose this. You're going to lose this case right now. I'm going to tell you how much you lose and how how hard you lose is going to depend upon you. So you got to, you got to, you start off right there with a, you got a, a stone on your head when you even start. And uh, Why would you need an attorney, though? Well, because the things come up. But they'll tell you right away before you go in there, hey, you're going to lose. Because why? Because you're black. Dang, really? Yeah, really. And so you, I, I guess just a little uh, suspicious of uh, attorneys because I really don't trust them now. 
and I know that they are doing the best thing that they can do for whatever's going on, but they got to be directed by somebody else that's pushing the, the envelope. And uh, they tell you what's going to go on. And what I got, I felt, these people were telling me what they, they thought I would need to know. So you know how you got to approach this because uh, if you don't, you're going to pay for it. Was that, is that, that's back in the 50s? Is that um, back in this, the, you, the, the, the time yeah. when, um, that yes. story with that, that lady on the bus? Oh, well, <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, but that was a little before that. That okay. was, that was more or less in the 40s. Yeah. Late 40s, and, um, and it just seemed like it was just so stressed to do it, to li to think about it. it what was, happened? Well, the, the baby was crying. Baby was sick, and the baby's mom was taking it to the doctor. And out in Jackson. Yeah. Oh wow. And and the guy, uh, the bus driver, stopped the bus, got out, grabbed the baby, and took the baby and threw it against the wall, killed it. Um. One of the guys on the bus was mixed race and he got up and he killed the bus driver and he drove the bus on to Jackson and then he took off running. They looked for him for a few days and they found him and they put him at um, Mississippi State Hospital for Insane which is at Whitfield <clears throat> and there he went from there Nobody really, well, I know someone knows what happened to him, but we never would give it up in the update as what took place after that. Wow. So you literally could be killed for oh. walking on the street? Oh, you better walk right. <laughs> what does better, that mean? And you better wear, you know, uh, in the <laughs> 50s, the guys had a, especially the black guys, they had a, I never had enough shirts, so but they they would take their collar and crimp it down. Yeah, and the police would tell them, uncrimp that collar. And they would make them do that. They told them what they could wear and and uh, how they had to act. And you just did it. You didn't question it because. You, and I something just, could change every day. Like they all of a sudden they wanted the the the, the shirt to be different, and then they change it. Yeah, it, it, the thing about it is that the officers could do the white officers would do what they needed to do to keep things intact. What well, everything was within their power to do whatever they needed to do, and if there's no right or wrong, it was that way of doing things. And if you were just black, you were just a, a part of the uh, whole thing going on. You were telling me that story about the, the gas station. Oh, yeah. well, yeah. But see, all these are kind of like extreme Well, what, what happened on that, though? Well, uh, the black guy was working at the service station, which is where most of them worked anyway. They pumped gas and did stuff down there. And and, and so, uh, and in Mississippi, they had a way of, uh, if you go into a place, you can sign up and they can put your name on the list, you can get gas 
own uh, account, I guess. Yeah, maybe. credit, huh? And uh, so he came in and he would go and put his gas on the counter. But most of the people would pay their bills. But of course, this guy didn't pay it. And all of these were, were white that were doing this business. Uh, I can't think of any blacks that had any business that could be doing that. And so this one guy came up and wanted to um, get gas. And the, the owner told him, don't put any gas in his car, because uh, in his truck, because he hadn't paid his bill. So when he asked him um, to put gas in, he said, I can't put it in there. Boss said, don't put it in. Boss said, don't put no gas in your car. You owe them too much. And he said, boy, put the gas in my car. And he wouldn't do it. And he went and got his gun and blew it away. Right then and there. Right then and there, right there on the street. <coughs> and then... Um, they had to go to court, and the owner, station owner, went to court to testify in his behalf to tell them uh, um, what had happened. It was still thrown out because of lack of evidence. Oh, yeah, come on now. <laughs> hey, <laughs> yeah, I can only read so much. <laughs> and you know, talk about reading. Yeah. I was thinking about, uh, I used to carry the Clan Legend, it's a, a paper that came out of Jackson. Uh -huh. uh, I was 13 years old, 13 or 14, somewhere like that. I rode my bikes and the ones I had, uh, and that's the way it was. And um, I was, did a really good job. And me, I'm always wanting to win. <laughs> That's true. And I had. Um, <laughs> can I hey, can I jump in there real quick? My dad told me a story. He says, "I don't care, man. It could be a shit eating contest. I'm gonna be the one to eat the most shit." <laughs> That's right. But anyway, okay. I they said any person that would increase their uh, people that they had, you know, they would be eligible to go uh, get a prize. Yeah. I tripled, I, no, not tripled, I wanted to, but I doubled mm -hmm. my uh, carry, the people that I had on my list. Really? And uh, they sent me a ticket to go to the uh, Coliseum in Jackson for a wrestling match. Okay. Now, I don't like wrestling. I wanted to go because I won it. Yeah, and I went there, and my dad took me up there, and it was kind of well. He was confused about it because he knew that normally I couldn't go to the Coliseum, and he said, "Are you sure?" I said, "Well, yeah." We went up there, but when we got there, I found out that I was the only black guy there. Dad was the only black dad there, and so the guy was concerned. But that, he was really a nice guy. He came in and he said, uh, I'm sorry that you came all the way up here, but um, we can't let you in there. Wow. And Dad said, he thought, he thought it was wrong, but he said, my son said it was what to do. Now, I did not understand that I couldn't go in the Coliseum. Mm. And so I wanted to know why. Well, there was no reason why, except that you're black, you can't go in there. Mm. Dad understood that. 
Mm-hmm. And I'm totally mad. He gave Dad $10. And gas was gas prices were very, they were very good that time, you know. And, uh, not, not like it now. But <laughs> Dad tried to get the money to me. I told Dad I didn't want it. I worked hard to get these to go to the uh, wrestling match. Oh wow! And trust me, I don't like wrestling <laughs> even now. But I you never did it. like it. And uh, they said yeah. I couldn't go, and I didn't understand it. Dad took me back home. He tried to talk with me, but you know, mm-hmm. of course, I, you know, like sons, dad, and. Uh, Kenny, Wait, you know? he just looked at me like with this really like <laughs> evil look. <laughs> okay. Sons and dads uh, sometimes could clash. <laughs> but dad didn't want to go into all that with me. He just tried to make me feel better. I know now. But, yeah. uh, um, and it seemed like I was getting across with everything that I didn't, that he couldn't deal with, you know, and there's nothing he could could have done about it, I know that. Mm-hmm. It was just that um, I didn't know why I couldn't go to the Coliseum because I had earned this, I had sold those papers, and I had increased the route. Beating everybody. Yeah, but they said, hey, well, you know, that's the way it works. Wow. Um, so I, <sighs> I just another thing of saying, hey, look, you win, you're going to lose. And we're going to tell you that now so you won't be thinking. When you know that you lose, you're going to lose. And just don't feel bad about it because you know that that's what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. So it was that, was that um, back in the days with, like, Auburn and mm-hmm. Alabama? I remember you were telling me, like. Uh, now, Auburn, Auburn was one of the first schools that I really did like, in a way. Yeah. Because Auburn would let us from Tuskegee, come up on the campus, and we could go and we could walk and buy books at the bookstore. Uh-huh. Other schools down there, the University of Alabama, uh, um, some of the schools didn't even let us come up on the campus. But Auburn did let us come on the campus and we went to the bookstore, and they would even let us drink out of the faucet that was on the grounds out there. You know the water faucet? Yeah. They would even let us walk, uh, drink from the water faucets. Auburn. Yeah. And I, <laughs> for whatever reason, you know, that uh, I uh, learned to like Auburn. Well, <laughs> that's a pretty big reason yeah, why. Yeah, good reason. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> I like Auburn now because of that. And, and I don't like Alabama. <laughs> Al- Alabama got 400. No, they don't. They have a, a number of black guys on. I was gonna say they have four hundred guys on the team, and I still don't <laughs> they like got like Alabama a fifty-three right man now. roster. And I hate Alabama. Yeah, I have never liked Alabama. They've always been that way, and I can still see George. Oh, not. Um, yeah, what was his name, George? Um, the governor of Alabama. Something Watson or something like that. Uh, Wallace. George, George yeah, Wallace. George Wallace. I yeah. saw him stand in the door of the University of Alabama and said that there would be no Negroes going there. Wow. And I've always oh. seen that picture and I can still see it. And, um, well, I didn't want to go to the University of Alabama anyway. <laughs> but but how, did it, how did it go from that extreme at a University of Alabama where there were like cops 
standing there with the bats and the batons saying, y'all ain't getting in here. And then and then Auburn was like, no, well, what was, I mean, was it the difference of the president or I what really, was the I difference? I really don't know. I don't know how we got on. But they did let uh, Tuskegee kids come on the campus. Oh, wow, that's well, beautiful. No, not fraternize. Now, you go on the campus and you go to the bookstore, more or less. That's mm-hmm. what you called the books that they had at Auburn. We didn't have the books like that at Tuskegee. Wow. So they let us come there and buy the books, which I thought was was really great mm-hmm. because uh, uh, I know it may not sound like... Uh, Dad, stop. Uh, I'm going to stop you right there because that's, you know, I mean, Auburn should be like... <laughs> they, get, they should get like 10 extra points every I, year because of that. that. I give them that 10 yeah. extra points because I think they deserved it because they... Yeah. Uh, would pass the, I, I don't know if they would pass the, if I say that dog, they might say, Oh boy, what did we do wrong? But uh, <laughs> Wait. <laughs> but they may have gone past that to let us know and say, Well, we didn't see that. Mm, yeah. Then I was like, Man, I must have gotten lucky because oh, wow. they, they didn't see but I just thought that was just amazing. So I, one of the one of the the scariest stories that you that you've told me from back in the Mississippi days, you know, and, and you know, I let me go back because when, um, you know, I'm not the biggest fan of Mississippi myself, obviously, <laughs> but when, you know, I remember being six or seven or eight or whatever, and then, um, you know, most of my cousins and, uh, you know, grandparents obviously lived down in Mississippi and we'd go down there all the time and over the summer for summer break and we'd be with our relatives and stuff. And I rem- and we're, f- we're back in Iowa at that time, so... You know, I remember going uh, to a store with my cousins and stuff, and they're all from Mississippi. They're all from down there, and I'm, you know, the only one, me and my, you know, we're the only ones from Iowa, and we go get our food or candy we were going to get, and then they got theirs. When they went up, they said, uh, you know, they gave him the money, and he's like, thank you, sir. Uh, All right, next. Here you go, sir. Thank you, sir. All right, next. Here you go. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. All right, sir. And then it was my turn. So I go up there and I just put my candy down. And he looked at me and was like, uh, don't you have something to say? I'm just like, uh, yeah, can I have that and some Skittles too? <laughs> I didn't know what he was talking about. He was so mad, he grabbed the candy and kicked us out because I didn't address him as sir and all that stuff. And like you said, when with the... The wrestling thing, I had no clue why he was why he did that. But he kicked us out. And that was back in the eighties, maybe you know, seventies. I was in you know, about the seventies. Yes. Yeah, in the seventies. So that was back then. So, you know, I mean, um it's 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 taken a, a long time. When they say and I I was gonna lead into that, so dad, is this a myth? The deep south is the most the least uh, racist uh, place in America. Oh, no. No, no. There's no way I could even say that. Uh, you can't even joke about that. Uh, no, I can't because it has never been the least racist because um, there's so many just tiny things that happen yeah. that you know not to go through. Uh, good. Be, don't get caught with that. What about that? Remember that gas station thing you were telling me about where we're... <laughs> We can laugh now, but I, if I was there, I'd have been scared to death. Uh, no, well, 
Hey, that you talk about your dad now. <laughs> oh man. So, you want me to tell the story? So my dad goes and he goes to this gas station, and, <laughs> <laughs> and the guy, and the guy. What was that? I can't even tell it right. Remember what he said? Uh, well, we ain't gonna put no gas in it. No, or, no. Well, I went there. Okay. My wife was uh, pregnant with our first child. Yeah. We were young, and I was in the army. I came by there to get some gas, and uh, I, I. You know, I was just going to get some gas, and they were putting the gas in the, in the car. So yeah. you couldn't pump it. Nobody could pump their own gas did at that time. Nobody. Mm-hmm. Well, as I know, white or black, you couldn't pump your own gas. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he said, I asked the other, my wife, I said, do you want to go to the bathroom? She said, no, I don't need to go. I said, okay, and they were going to fill it up. And then she said, well, you know, I think I need to go to the bathroom. And I said, okay. Uh, my wife needs to go to the bathroom. And he looked at me and he said, there's bathroom all out there in these woods out there. Oh, go wow. in there and you get ready. And uh-uh. I said, okay, don't put another drop of gas in there. I don't know why I said that. Because <laughs> I, was just, I said, boy, I must be crazy. Because I said that I don't put another To a white man. Yeah. Don't put another drop of gas in oh, there. He said, <laughs> "You you, you want to say the N word, right? Yeah. <laughs> for, for our young listeners, we're not going to say that word." This is a different guy. You wait here until I go inside and I come back. Mm-hmm. Now I'm not stupid. <laughs> I might be all the other things, but I wasn't stupid. I wasn't going to be there when he came back. <laughs> so he came back, and I took off. But uh, I didn't pay for the gas that uh-huh. was in there, and I just took off. Cause you, what, what was he going to do? Oh, he was, was going to kill me. Oh, I knew that. Man. But and, and so that was it. But um, just small things like that. Well, and hey. I, uh, uh-huh. another time I was going, I, this was... So I must have been like 30-something years old, and, and I was in in uh, Mississippi, I was home, and um, I can't think of the name of the county right now, but it's right down there near where, where I married my wife, and uh, we got there, oh, Smith County, Okay. Smith County, we got there in the little town of uh, Sosa, mm-hmm. and uh, I knew that you're not supposed to have a car with air conditioning in it. Mm. So I... Who was you? Huh? What do you mean, you're not supposed to? Who? The blacks would, oh, wasn't wow. having a car. Damn. So I rolled the window down. There was a 66 Buick Electra uh, 225. I rolled the window down and fanned. No, I didn't fan, <laughs> probably, but I wanted to make certain that they knew... <laughs> That this car didn't have air condition, uh. Uh, but it did. But I drove through so-so, just with like the windows that. down, so air could come in. Ooh. they didn't want blacks to have no, anything. No, and hey, now they had a they had a joke. What a really kind of a cute joke. They, this woman got on the bus. 
and and she did the band was being a white guy was being really nice <laughs> really nice but he and she had a bed bug on her shoulder a what a bed bugger bed bug it's a bed bug. <laughs> Bed bug. Yeah. Okay. They eat like a napkin, like a real bed bug. Yeah, real bed bug. Eat, eat blood. Then it's kind of it kind of depicts um, mm. uh, bad living stuff, you know, mm -hmm. dirty. Mm. And so he said, "Ma'am, you have." It was a white guy. He picked it up. Said, "Ma'am, you have a bed bug on your shoulder." She said, "You put that bed bug right back there." You put it right back there. You white folks don't want to see us with nothing. <laughs> we all laughed about that. that. That's one of the jokes that you're not supposed to tell. I, I didn't see that coming. That's funny. <laughs> they didn't, want, they didn't they even want to have the bed bug? No. They, they don't want to see us with nothing. Put it right back and, and, Oh, you know, shoot. From my history classes and stuff like that, you hear about some of the the you know horrible uh, crimes that took place in back back in the South back in those days. Um, you know, uh, Mr. Emmett Till. Oh yeah. You were down there with him or in that area. I, well, I was. I wasn't with him. No, no, no. Not. I'm sorry. I said that wrong. <laughs> I was. I know you weren't with him, no. but you were. I, when he was killed, I was 17 years old. Yeah. And I thought it was it was really awful, and we, I was on the baseball team at, at uh, where I was going to school. We went to play in the town. The next after he was killed, we went the next day to play in that town yeah. baseball. Everybody was very, whatever. It was really a eerie situation. You're scared, huh? Yeah, everybody was scared. But uh, well, what we happened were, with him? Well. <laughs> I'm not even sure, but they told us he was from Chicago, and he whistled at a white woman, and they got him to teach him some manners. What the, uh, did they they track him down? Well, they what they knew where he lived. Uh oh. They knew he was down. Emmett was down from Chicago on a vacation in the South, like mm -hmm. a lot of a lot of kids come down there in the South, and they. Uh -oh. vacation. And they don't know how to act. And they they act as act as if they were in Chicago. Oh wow! And in Chicago, they could say baby whistle at a white woman, and everything was really okay. But he made a mistake. He did that down south. And he had to pay for it. So they went down to his house. They went picked him up. His grandpa gave them him. They gave him to them, Ooh. and they they killed him. And how to kill him? The they just beat him to death. Threw him up in the Tallahassee River. As far as I know, I didn't yeah. know, but I know that they had the uh, <clears throat> funeral with him beaten as he was, and she didn't want him cleaned up or anything. She wanted them to see what they did to him. To her baby. Yeah, and and say he was uh, 15 years old. He wasn't old enough to even thinking about anything of that nature, I would think. Because I was 17, of course, I was a late bloomer anyway. I was 17, and I wasn't thinking about anything of that nature. Wow. Yeah. You, wow. It, it could have been somebody who did not like him and said, that dude just yeah, whistled that, at that, that girl. Th yeah. 
and see, and you don't whistle. You, yeah. um, you didn't whistle at any white girl on, on the street. Of course, I didn't know how to whistle. <laughs> Somebody was looking after you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah let's 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 keep that off his uh, his weaponry. Yeah, he can't whistle. Yeah, All right, right, let's keep him. That'll keep him alive a little bit longer. Um, <laughs> but things were very scary. You had to stay in step. Mm -hmm. If you got out of step, and if you got into something where they would say you did something. Whether you did it or not, you did it. That's what I tried to deal with it. I'm so that's so horrifying, Dad. But it's so real. It was, it was really real, and if you tried to deal with it in, in any type of way, except say, okay, you're gonna pay for this, you, you're gonna get in trouble. Mm. And and my my dad and I sit there and I thought about things that. Mother and dad. Uh, I was in Jackson when uh, Martin Luther King Ke Kennedy was killed. Oh, Kennedy! And when Kennedy was killed and they pronounced him dead, I was at Shaw Department Store on Ferris Street. Ferris Street is a black street in Jackson, and uh, the white uh, people there just they were just as if they were at a uh, old Miss game, you Mississippi was playing and just won the game. They clapped and cheered and everything else like that, which really made me mad. And I went back home, and I was mad. And I got dad knew I was mad, and he had to come. Dad had to come make things better because he said I can't be out there acting like that, you know. So he got me in the house because he didn't want me out there. Show it all. You're about to go after some people, huh? Uh, go after something. I don't know what I was going. I don't even. I didn't have anything to go after anybody with. But I just. I was so mad that they went and cheered for that, as if that was great, you know. And because he was helping out the the, the black people. Yeah, and that was a problem. That's really what the what happened. You think? Uh, I, well, I really think. So. Well, I really think so. But this I don't is know. K Shed uncuffed. <laughs> So, but <laughs> just in case there's somebody listening, my dad had nothing to do with, uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> you know, that, 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 that's, that's so unfortunate. I can't even picture that, you know, um, it's, I can't even, even come up with a reasoning. Um, and that's the part that makes me upset because, you know, like say, uh, like, like say we, it, that happened today and you have like a relative or a friend that you work with and all that stuff and you pull that relative or that co-worker aside and it's like did you hear what happened to such and such and such and such it's like yeah i was at the house my relatives were screaming and yelling and celebrating and it's like how why and then they would play it off like well you know, they would say something like and justify it. It's like, how is that okay? Well, well, am I missing bothered, something? The, the part that bothered me is that um, I, I really wasn't, I've never been that much of a, a politician. I hate politicians. Mm -hmm. I mean, of course, I hate attorneys too. But uh, I did not understand how would you anybody cheer for somebody being dead. A I, president, by all, yeah, of all that. A, a president. And I said, I 
can't even believe this. Yeah. But I, when I walked out of Shaw, I got back in the car, we went back home, and I still was bad. And Dad had to go find me, because Dad, Dad was really perfect. Yeah. Because he had to keep, and I kept messing with him, because it seemed that he was bothered with me with too many things, and I really figured out now, he was trying to keep me alive. Mm. Because my temper was really, really bad. <laughs> I mean, it was really bad. And, this and is full he, circle right here, <laughs> sounds like. <laughs> he didn't want me to go off the deep end. Oh, and, I, and, I, and I never, I never thought of it that way. I thought Dad was just scared. Ooh. But I now know that Dad was trying to protect me. You would not be alive if it, if it wasn't for my grandpa, huh? <laughs> not right. Oh, my goodness. He, he kept things together. Um, mother, mother too, because yeah. she would always tell me, Deputy, don't you ever get out of your place. I said, Mother, what is my place? Ooh. Wow. Well, and, and I, I knew that they were, they knew I was different. But, um, but they knew that they had to protect me mm -hmm. because they knew I was way over the top <laughs> with my thoughts. And they said, we got to take care of <laughs> this guy. is going to cause a problem for himself. Oh, and uh, so I will forever think that my mother and father were really great. Wow, Dad. You know, you know, I wish everybody has a chance to be able to sit down and have this type of candid conversation with, 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 their, um, with their maker, um, you know. I'm not the most religious person in the world, but mm -hmm. I will 100% acknowledge the fact that dad created me and my mom, and they made their kids to be well-rounded individuals to, um, you know, I mean, uh, we're not out looking for problems. And um, like my mom taught us, uh, you know, if, 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 if someone's messing with you, like in high school, junior high, or whatever, if someone's messing with you, you do everything you can to look the other way. If they keep trying to get in your face, you go tell a teacher. Uh, if you tell the teacher, teacher doesn't do anything about it and all that stuff, you try to still ignore them. Now, if they still keep coming at you and you can't, <laughs> and they cross the line and you can't take it anymore, and 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 uh, it's point it's past that point of no return. Then I expect you to turn around and knock the shit out of them. <laughs> well, and um, that's uh, that's kind of what I've taken on. I've learned that from this this man right here, and, and my mom. I tell you what, I, I want you to know that sometimes <laughs> I have to hide to keep from because he scares me sometimes. Who? <laughs> me? Yeah. He's pointing at me, Dad. <laughs> anyway, so. <laughs> You know, um, we hope to be able to get you back on uh, K-Shed Uncuffed, uh, one of our um, later episodes and stuff like that, because this 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 was been like the, uh, a mind-blowing experience and stuff. Um, I think people are going to be looking at this like, wait a minute. Wow, we have nothing to complain about. <laughs> yeah, I right? definitely agree with that. They really don't have anything to complain about now, whether I'm right wrong, or misinterpreted stuff. You have nothing to complain about. All right, Pops. Love you now.
I love you, man. That's why you scare me sometimes. Stop, stop. Hey, I'm about to. We're about to do our theme music. We're going to go on a break, and I'm about to wrap this up with one funny story about my. Nah, it's not a funny story. It's just a. It's a. It's a memorable story. Uh, I'm. I'm sitting next to a legend right now. You know. I mean, he took on some incredible odds, and uh, he shouldn't even be here right now. I gotta agree with that. <laughs> yeah. So with that. You know, we're going to take a break right now and um, ease back into our uh, fade out on this episode. And we'll come back and we'll go from there, okay? Hey, shit, uncuffed. You know what? Um, we try to do it in a three act portion intro. Uh, meet and then conclusion and um you know i hope you enjoyed today's episode uh, i had my pops on and it was a fantastic experience um you know everything he went through from uh with in mississippi uh was traumatic um i'm i'm blown away by the fact that he was able to uh, shake all that off and uh, make it out of there um back in those days so um, what he said really, really kind of, kind of triggered things. And he's, he knew, uh, cause by that time he had had four babies. Um, I was the youngest and he, uh, he told me that one time he went to the uh, post office to mail something off. Um, he goes in there, does his thing, comes out. And then there's like, um, all these cops, like out there waiting for him and they order him down to the ground at gunpoint said get on the ground they uh handcuff him they put him in back and they arrest him they take him down down to the station and they said we knew you were going to rob that post office and he's just like what why would i rob the post office when the bank was right across the street <laughs> so he, apparently they didn't think that was too funny so um you know, uh, they let him know uh, that he they were going to let him off this time. But uh, in order to get out of jail, it was going to cost him like 200 bucks. And it just so happened that that's all he had in his bank account at that time. Um, and 200 bucks at that time was a lot of money. So that pretty much took everything out of his family's uh, uh, office family's plate. And um, what he did was he's like, I got to get out of here. So he reached out to a friend of his who had already uh, moved out of there um, and headed to the Midwest for uh, uh, greener pastures. And um, so he reached out to him and said, hey, uh, we want to come out there and kind of see what's out there. He said, I got a couple job opportunities for you. Come stay with me, bring the family. Um, you're going to love it out here. So he, he, did, he was skeptical at first, but he had no other option. So he said he put me and uh, my uh, um, sister the youngest sister, Sherry, in the car. Uh, I think she was like three or four at the time. And, um, you know, my mom and my dad, us four, jumped in the car and headed out to Iowa uh, or the Midwest. So he said that he gets up there. Um, he's not quite sure where he's supposed to go and he's about to run out of gas. He's trying to get to his friend's place. And he said um, uh, only thing he could do was stop at this bar that was bumping at the time and he's just like uh, I don't I don't really want to go in there but I have no other choice I need to find where a gas station is the nearest gas station so he said he walked in place was packed 
he goes up to the bartender and um says, hey uh I'm, I'm i'm about to run out of gas where's your where's your nearest gas station and he said the bartender looked at him and was like hey you know what i don't know exactly let me double check but hey um in the meantime i'll, I'll check with one of my other co-workers but in the meantime do you want a beer and my dad said the bartender poured him a beer um, so he can kind of sip on while he went in the back and he checked on uh, directions for my dad. And so my dad said he's sitting there looking at this crazy scene, all these people out there just 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 having fun, country bar, I guess. But they're just partying their butts off. And he sees this girl um, who's looking at him and she's next to this dude who's shooting pool, her boyfriend. So the girl looks at him and like, you know, all of a sudden starts coming does a beeline straight over there where he is and she's like hey who are you are you new around here and he's just like uh well yeah i'm from out of town and she's like you know like hey well we we, we need to give you a welcome or whatever and he said that what are you doing what do you, what the heck are you doing he said the, the the boyfriend came over there uh you know looked up after finished his shot and came over there stormed over there to where he was and he's like Looked right at my dad, got up in his face, like, is she bothering you? I'm so sorry. She, she she just does that. That's her. He's like, here, let me buy you a beer, man, to make it up to you. And he's just like, what? I already have a beer. He's like, it's okay. I'm going to buy you another one. And so he buys dad another beer. He has two beers in his hand in his crazy scene. And then the girl's just like, I didn't mean nothing to anybody, but I mean, where are you from? He said, told him where he's from. And he said, uh, they were coming up there to kind of check out some places. He's like, where is your wife and kids? He's like, they're outside. He's like, you kidding me? You left your kids outside and wife. So he said the the girl went out and grabbed me, my sister and my mom and brought them into the bar. And so here my dad and mom are just kind of celebrating with these people uh the girl was i guess playing with me and let and then sherry's running around the bar too having fun and all that stuff too and everybody's just having a blast and my dad said i found my place um and it was like no looking back from that point on uh he was free um and found a place that uh his four kids were able to um uh, just um strive for the stars and prevail and um all of us uh, took the lead from there. And uh, so um, if you hear me have a lot of like, good things to say about uh, the state of Iowa, it's uh, very much warranted. And, um, you know, and I'm going to pay it back by making a movie about this beautiful state of ours called Iowa's Finest. Um, our movie crew is moving steadily towards getting it done um, as far as like the planning for it. And um, here soon, we're going to actually shoot this bad boy. Uh, but for now, we're going to take advantage of the of the marketing that comes with it, with the social media uh, platforms. Um, and we're going to build up a little bit of buzz before we shoot this bad boy. And it's going to be in homage to Iowa. All right. With that, guess what, man? I think that's a wrap for episode six. Um, it's been a pleasure. I really appreciate you guys doing nothing but uh, supporting us with what we're doing, and uh, we're going to keep it coming. Sounds like uh, we're we're doing some good things. Sounds like a lot of people are uh, e-belling us, uh, uncuffed at gmail.com with questions, uh, topics that they want to talk about, and uh, we're going to cover them 
uh, as soon as we get a chance and we're going to have fun bonding as a group.